When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our central membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. Well, welcome to the latest episode of I Don't Know What The Fuck I'm Doing. As you know, this is me without any help of anybody. There's kind of Nick in the background, but he can't really help me, so I'm on my own. And I've got no idea what I'm about to talk about or present, but we'll give it a go. Comments and questions will also be available to subscribers. So if you subscribe to the channel, you can ask questions that I probably will just ignore you. But some of you might actually be bothered to answer. So before we start, the ritual. The ritual is we need a drink. Today, I'm sponsored by Bollinger Rosé. Um, actually, I'm probably sponsoring them because I spend so much on this bloody stuff when I'm feeling bullish, which I am today. Um, so I'm just getting myself a drink. Pour yourselves a drink as well. Um, the snack of the day, if you remember last month, I had the Ibethan salted roasted pumpkin seeds. Today, I'm less fancy. I'm, I'm some nice endamame, which are um, dry roasted. So, cheers, everybody. Happy whatever day of the week is. Thursday. It's almost my birthday as well, which is on Sunday. Uh, so, happy birthday to me. Okay. As I said, I've no idea what we're going to talk about, but this is the macro version of this show. We also have one in the crypto channel, and that comes up every other week or so. So, we're going to talk mainly macro, but we'll, we'll overlap with everything. So, where the hell are we right now? I think I've outlined to you in the past and certainly on Real Vision at depth my thinking. My thinking is that we are hurtling off the edge of the cliff into a recession. That recession we've been forecasting, Julian Bittle and myself at Global Macro Investor, from um, about this time last year, actually. We saw it in the forward-looking data and the current data is catching up. So we're now, I use the business, um, the ISM as probably my best guide to the business cycle. And that's kind of at this 48 or so level, 47 point whatever level. And really just below 47 is 100% chance of a recession. Now, all the forward-looking indicators like new orders are completely off a cliff. Uh, employment, prices paid, you name it, every single indicator. We have a database of one and a half thousand indicators, um, a global macro investor, and it's all falling off a cliff. So this is the point where you get to on Twitter where everyone goes, oh my God, there's a recession. Surely stocks are going to go down. No shit, Sherlock. They've already gone down. The Nasdaq went down 37.7%, I think, uh, from the high. But what's interesting is that the forward-looking indicators are starting to suggest that we will hit the bottom um, of the recessionary wave in about April. So we're likely to get, I think, two, maybe three quarters of negative GDP. But I think it's more akin to the 1990s style 
recession, which was the stock market fell 20%, the economy fell 2%, ISM went down to 40 or so, it all recovered, there was some overhang, the economy was slow for a while, and then eventually recovered. A normal garden recession. That's what I think we're in the middle of. I think people are confusing prices, which is the unwind of the um, prices as in markets, the unwind of everything that happened in the in 2021 got unwound in 2022. And I saw Dario Perkins on Twitter calling it the A-shaped uh, economy. So as opposed to a V-shape, it was an A-shape. So it went up, came back down, and it's reverted back to trend. So almost all of the charts have reverted back to trend. I think oil still got a bit of a way to go. Uh, Nat gas got there. Uh, most of the commodities have got there. Most of these things are down 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent now, uh, taking the inflation fears out. But this this recessionary thing is what's in everybody's head. And the narrative in the market is, well, just wait for the earnings leg. Do you not remember 2001? Do you not remember the second leg in 2008? Those were very different styles of recession to that, in my view. Of course, I could be wrong. My guess is when I look at the rate of change of the S&P or the NASDAQ, they've all entirely priced in a recession. So the NASDAQ priced in an ISM of about 37, um, which is where my forward-looking indicator, my Global Macro Investor Financial Conditions Index, has been pricing the bottom of the ISM trough. And it's all coming around the same date. So what's happened is the markets have been forward-looking. They discounted the recession fast. And they're now starting to discount the pickup on the other side. And that's coinciding with the rate of change of Fed increases coming down. The ECB are the same, the Bank of England are the same. Everybody's slowing down their rate increases and are going to pause mode. Whether we get one more hike or not, I doubt it actually, but there's a chance we get one more pause. The bond market's starting to realize that that's probably the case as well. Also, global liquidity, M2 cycle, stuff like that, that's been picking up. Um, it started with China and it's and it's going to start resonating throughout the world. Things like the falling dollar, um, falling commodity prices start picking up this kind of rate of uh, change of liquidity. That also suggests that we kind of are bottoming around these levels. So we've got global liquidity bottoming. We've got the rate of change of interest rates. That's taking the pressure off the neck. You know, the, 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 the um, Jay Powell's had his foot on the neck of the markets and, and the economy. So he takes his foot off things can rise again. So that's kind of what stage we're seeing now. I think earnings have been discounted in prices. I know the bottoms up guys say, well, this is not right. And almost everybody on Twitter says that. I keep asking the poll. Everybody's still very bearish. All of the sentiment indicates everyone's maximum bearish. Um, and I, using my macro framework I've been using for 18 years, I just don't think that's the case. Now, we're talking probabilities, not certainties. So anything can change here. But my view is that Overall, is that the worst is behind us. It bottomed in October when I wrote a big Twitter article and a big global macro investor piece calling it the bear market killer, which is October. And bang on schedule, the whole bear market stopped in October. I had lots of technical signals like DMARC counts telling me monthly and weekly and daily that this was probably the low. I'd already had that in crypto back in June for ETH. And then again in Bitcoin and others uh, into October. So we've got this perfect set of signals across everything. The liquidity cycle picking up maximum bearish sentiment, the worst I've ever seen. And I've, I think in Global Macro Investor, we put together 40 of these sentiment indicators of stuff going back to the 60s. And it was the worst um, sentiment 
the markets have ever seen. And then we had the option buying and all of that, you know, the put option buying, all of that stuff. So I'm now bullish risk. And I've been flagging this for a while. And I flagged it when I started buying crypto in June. And I flagged it when I re-added it. And I've been talking about, I think the inflationary pressure is coming. I think inflation goes negative next year. Um, actually, this year, sorry. I think the rate of decline of commodities is much sharper than anybody realizes. I think wages are rolling over. Um, I also think rents are rolling over. So the whole lot is coming down. And that will go all the way through till 2024. We can talk about the longer term picture later. Do we get the secondary wave of inflation or not? Most of you know, I don't think so. But we can talk about that. But so we've got rid of the inflation. We've got a weaker dollar, global growth picking up, forward looking indicators picking up. Technology should outperform. This is very much like the um, 2018 episode where the Fed stopped pausing, uh, stopped hiking. That was December 2018. The markets just went on a tear. The Fed eventually cut rates in August 2019 and then stopped QT in September 2019. Um, over that period, I think Bitcoin did 285%, um, and many of the markets did really well over the course of that year. And generally speaking, at this point in the cycle, the kind of macro spring, you tend to see the S&P doing this, the Nasdaq doing this, growth tech doing that, and crypto doing that. And that's my expectation that um, if you're, you know, not volatility adjusting the returns, you want to get the faster back the fastest horse, it's likely to be crypto, then it'll be technology stocks, the growthy end, stuff like ARK is really up 100% or so, um, then it'll be the NASDAQ, and then it'll be the S&P. Uh, commodities tend to do okay, uh, cyclical companies tend to do pretty well in this environment as well, tend not to outperform technology. Um, emerging markets tend to do pretty well, particularly if the dollar's slightly weak. So that's kind of where we are. We then start focusing going forwards on, okay, what is, else does this mean? And this is what you're starting to see in things like gold. They're picking up the potential for easing, easing um, negative real rates, that kind of stuff. And that's the next phase that I think we come into in the latter parts of 2023. And I think we'll see significant easing uh, for a whole host of reasons in 2023, back end 2024, uh, and back to quantitative easing that I think we'll get by in 2024, maybe even 2023. We'll, we'll wait and see. So that's basically the macro setup for me. I'm very bullish risk, bullish crypto, bullish technology, bullish carbon credits, bullish bonds, um, bullish gold, don't really have any of it. Um, starting to wait for things like copper uh, because we've got some secular backdrops. I like secular trends. I don't trend to uh, tend to trade the cyclical stuff anymore. I find it a bit boring. And I don't, I don't think it's very easy to make money consistently over time. I like a secular trend. And when, for example, when you look at the technology stock stocks, like we can take the NASDAQ, uh, if we take the NASDAQ on a log chart, we've come back to the bottom of the log trend channel. Um, and we've had all of the bottom indicators and signals. And usually if you can buy uh, the cyclical sell-off when it hits the secular trend, that is the sweet spot. We're in that sweet spot now. We're in the sweet spot on crypto uh, technology. We will get there probably in copper as well um, and a few other markets where it starts to get very, very interesting for very high future expected returns. Uh, we saw something not dissimilar in carbon as well. So that's where we are. Cyclical pressures down to the secular trend. I love my secular trends. Uh, my big secular trends are India, technology, exponential age technology, that's a whole host of things from robotics to AI to EV to distributed data to 
um, metaverse, all sorts of things come in that bucket. And I've been writing quite a lot about that over the last few years. Um, exponential age is the other big theme. Uh, stuff like, I like the Middle East and maybe Saudi Arabia is the one harder to trade, but I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm bullish on copper, as I said, carbon for those reasons as well. Um, and, and then crypto is the bigger bet for me because I think it has a higher expected return. It comes with more volatility, but I'm happy to sum the volatility because I've got an income, thank God. And so that means I can allow the volatility of my portfolio moving around because I've got money coming in. But if you're trying to live off crypto, it's bloody difficult because it goes up and down a lot. So anyway, so that's where we are in my macro thing. I'm going to start asking questions. But first, a couple of points. One, I'm not doing this just for the hell of it. We've talked about this before, right? Is I'm doing this so you can hit the subscribe button. You take some knowledge. You say thank you in the comments section. And you hit subscribe and maybe the like button. And that's the trade-off. And I drink a glass of something, you drink a glass of something, and we enjoy ourselves. So if you don't do that, then there's no point in me doing this. So please, if you can just do all of those things, comment section, like button, and subscribe button. Now, remember, if you do subscribe, that's when you can add the comments as well, the ones that I'll probably choose to ignore because you're being rude and asking me about Luna or something stupid. Um, but no, please do. I'd love to answer your questions. The other thing we're going to do, just because I know you are all pretty lazy and you can't be bothered, is if you do um subscribe like write a comment well we're going to be win uh, giving away a three-month trial sorry i need to get rid of my wife who's on the call so she doesn't shout at me uh giving away a three um a free three-month trial to real vision so pop your details in that and um points win prizes so let's see how we do okay i'm going to start trying to go through these questions as you know this is usually chaos because i have no idea what the fuck i'm doing they scroll past really fast nick tries to help me out he gets frustrated with me um and then we all go away slightly confused by what happened but anyway we'll give it a go um jeff jordan this is a question about crypto of which this i actually know nothing about what do you think of the opportunity market ahead for storage coins such as airweave and filecoin i don't really know i like the thesis uh i hear punk 6529 talk about airweave i know a lot of people are interested in filecoin i i don't i, I don't know like the idea don't own any um, David, thoughts on large Indian companies, perhaps caught in a scandal or worse, safe way to play the market long term? Well, I've been waiting for a bloody entry to India because it just doesn't correct. If it does, it just really fast and goes back up again. It's because of demographics, right? So you've got tons of people becoming financialized. The average age of the population is 28. Everybody is coming into their 30s, their family, their savings, their earnings time. And that tends to drive financial markets massively on a secular bull run, which is one of my core theses for India. Uh, which makes it also bloody difficult to buy, much like the, the um, S&P has been bloody difficult to buy all the way through the 80s. Then it had the 87 crash. That was the last time you got to buy it until you know there was a small correction in 1990, then shot up again all the way through until 2001. So, um, yes, if we can find an opportunity to buy India, if not, we're just going to have to FOMO in at some point. It's, it's a nightmare. Um, now, maybe this turns into blue little scandal this thing with Adani maybe it turns into a political scandal but even with it collapsing losing hundreds of billions of dollars of value the the Sensex has barely moved now there's an Indian ETF for those of you who trade uh stocks I really like India um it's if you look at the uh, the ETF chart that's basically in dollars and it's been in a long wedge for about 10 years now and it started breaking out it's trying to correct but I think you know the next 10 years probably belongs to India so it's a tremendous trade uh, my favorite stock there is Reliance you can trade it in London um, Reliance is 
basically the network of all of India, um, everything from mobile phones, four, uh, 3G, 4G, 5G. Uh, they're going to try and be the big competitor to Huawei in terms of um, a globalized 5G service. They're also the biggest oil refiner in the world. I think they've got the biggest EV infrastructure in the world, um, uh, solar infrastructure in the world. They also own the online shopping, all the applications there for the internet. Uh, they own absolutely everything. And they did a stunning thing in 2020. They were like Adani is now, they were hugely in debt. They were like $18 billion in debt. Uh, because he'd taken over the telco market by massively aggressive pricing, pricing data at zero. So then what happens is, is he takes over the entire telco market. Everybody's kind of going bankrupt. Vodafone are being forced out of the market. It's a real mess. Um, but he takes over like 65% of the market share um, and then goes to explain his story to some of the world's biggest companies and sovereign wealth funds and says, listen, I'm going to own kind of the energy, the solar energy the internet, the phone network, the applications layer, the shopping stores, all of this. And he raised $18 billion uh, in cash and paid off the debt, the fastest corporate debt payback in history. So that's how good a company Reliance is, which is very different to Anani. So like India, want to get involved. You'll hear more about India on Real Vision uh, as we start exploring some of these um, secular themes. Um, there's a little poll up as well. Just make sure you answer the poll. Where are you tuning in from? America, Europe, Australia? Asia or Mars. Um, okay. I don't know how to get rid of that off my window now. Let me see if I can find a way. Close poll. There we go. Um, uh, Raul, is this the start of a new bull run in tech? Will crypto follow through? Crypto led it. Um, and I think that it is, um, and tech is following through. So uh, yes and yes, um, and I've been saying that for some time. So it's not it's not like oh I'm the price action. I was saying that as the prices were collapsing in October and when the price was collapsing in June in crypto um, that I've been positive. No, you know I, I hope I'm right. I don't. I'm not always right, as we all know, right? <laughs> um, okay, next question. Uh, another question about crypto and risk assets. Uh, would you have a conversation with Richard Hart? He had the best debate defending Bitcoin to the 2017 block wars. Um, no, um, I don't really believe in what he's doing and I, I think it's not fair on investors, but take your own choice. I could be dead wrong. You could be dead right. Um, and so I would rather stay away from it. Um, you know, you can't ask me to interview people. And then if we've suddenly interviewed somebody in the past that goes bust or was a scam, we get pinned for the blame, which is what everybody tries to do to every media company in FTX and other stuff. Um, this guy's got red flags everywhere, which is why nobody really wants to interview him. Um, and again, we could be wrong. Um, no judgment. I don't know. Um, can you comment on the ISM report? Well, I kind of did already. Um, and the ISM report was, it's on its way down. The forward-looking indicators like new orders is collapsing. Unemployment's collapsed. Uh, unemployment's not broken down yet. Um, uh, prices paid is collapsed. Inventories new orders collapsing. So, yeah, it's we're right just off the edge of the cliff. So I think we should wait and see this. Um, awesome Peking Twins. Uh, you got your eyes on any metaverse projects? Uh, I'm not really investing in the metaverse yet. Um, really, I had a go at tokens, I had Decentraland and other stuff. They've, I know they've done pretty decently. Um, we, for Real Vision, have been exploring and used Vatum, which I really like, which most people aren't aware of. And we've also obviously used OnCyber and 6529's um, on. So those are the ones I'm, I'm really looking at right now. 
uh, and that's really from a from a real vision perspective as opposed to the broader perspective you know i'm not really in that kind of gaming world so i won't see this coming up obviously uh, other side by um yuga labs is interesting as well let's see what they do i'm sure they'll do something pretty good because they they're pretty good at that uh what do you think about etfs in crypto i think we've all learned the lesson that they're terrible um in terms of uh, anything that exists is based on a futures contract um will they come the, the sec is just it's just a mess so i doubt it i think they just want to have that battle and that battle is we don't want you to have that meanwhile something like george noble's etf who was attacking me on twitter all the time george noble's etf he's like oh kathy wood these people are terrible they're shocking crypto's terrible i think his funds down 70 percent in a month uh, which is pretty shocking that stuff shouldn't be allowed to be an etf um and don't quote me on that on twitter i don't need another fight thank you please um David, thanks for asking my question. Happy birthday. Well, thank you, David. That's very kind of you. We like a civilized discussion here. There may be swearing and drinking, but we actually want to be nice to each other because it's fun and it's much more fun that way. Bungley's investor. Would you buy the S&P 500 on a retrace at this stage? Yes, I would. But remember, if it does retrace from here, you're going to go, oh, shit, it's going to the lows. Just remember the, the, the um, psychology that happens at this point when you're not fully confirmed, you're not 100% sure yet, the market hasn't got everybody in and the analysts haven't been saying, yeah, you know, it's turned. The moment it comes down to that dip, you usually go, oh, I'm not buying it, I'm not buying it, it's going to go to the low, I need to be careful. So you usually miss it. So just a warning. Um, Olive Leaf. I like this question. Do you believe there's a chance that the debt bubble would eventually burst? Obviously, we've all thought a lot about this topic. And I've been writing a lot in Global Macro Investor about this. And I think the answer is it cannot burst. A, they can't allow it to because it's too catastrophic. But B, quantitative easing means that they'll never burst. So the government can just endlessly finance itself, print more money. And they can endlessly print more money to make sure that the value of assets, the collateral of the system goes up and therefore nobody's insolvent. We saw that in 20, uh, uh, 2020. And I think that was the big signal for me is they can't allow the insolvency. Remember I had that insolvency phase idea? Well, that never happened. And what ha what stopped is the Fed came in and said, uh, no, sorry, your collateral is not going to go to zero. And so don't forget we've got this massive pension system. And the liabilities there are a huge problem as well. So they just can't allow it to happen. So I do not think the debt system bursts. I think it dies in different ways. I actually think it dies from um, over time. I think they have to get GDP growth above um, debt growth. Um, and that's going to take time. Um, I think it's going to take a change in the demographic, i.e. the dying off of the baby boomer population. Um, and then GDP growth driven by, by technology and productivity growth has to go up. So it's actually a long-term game. And I think they'll hang out as, for as long as possible, much like Japan has been doing and Europe's been doing. I think it's a long-term game. Um, and what we get is the debasement of assets to counteract it, uh, debasement of currency, which leads to higher asset prices and everybody getting more and more angry because the markets never go down. So I actually think that that is how the world works now. And I know people don't want to believe it. And everyone just wants, you know, see, they blew up the system. I think you're going to blow up yourself if you try and fight that game. 
Um, I think we just proved it again. Um, yeah, nice shirt, by the way. It's the irresponsibly wrong shirt. Dusted out the wardrobe just for you guys. I thought, you know what, I want to make a statement. And um, I am all in still in crypto. So um, about that. What about the dollar? Good question. Seen a few of those wing by. Just great. Short and long term. Short term, I think the dollar falls a bit further. Might even get down to 95 in the DXY. So that's the unwind, the A. Uh, it's where it goes back again. But structurally, the dollar's in an uptrend. And it's driven in an uptrend because 85% of world trade is in dollars. 400% of GDP in debt is um, uh, dollar-denominated debt. So we've got a structural shortage of dollars. Um, and that shortage of dollars, either in times of crisis or times of boom, um, tends to drive the dollar higher. So I'm a still remain a dollar bull. And I've been, I switched all of my, you know, here's a good story for you, actually. I was um, living in Spain in 2012, uh, and we just had the, the massive financial crisis in Europe. We almost lost our banking system, had to buy a generator and tin food, crazy shit. Uh, terrifying when you lose your banking system. Um, and Cyprus lost its, obviously, completely enabled savings are wiped out. So it was a mess. You had to take cash, put it out of home, try and find gold, all of this shit. Luckily, the money printer stopped the collapse. Right, Big lesson to be learned there. Um, I didn't really still believe that to be the case, which I now do. Um, but at that period of time, the euro was trading about 148 and a half, 148 uh, against the dollar. And I was living in Spain and I had euro savings. And my business, Global Macro Investor, was billing in euros. And I took them to ridiculously brave bet, kind of like this crypto bet. And we went, I went, yeah, it's actually just like this crypto bet. I just went, fuck it, I'm all in on the dollar because this is the wrong price. And Europe's got a structural problem here. And so I switched all of my life savings into, yeah, it's exactly the same as the crypto, just has less bang for your buck than the crypto does. So I switched 100% of my life savings into dollars. I then went and bought, uh, then changed the billing for Global Macro Investor into dollars. Um, and then I went and bought a property uh, two properties, one in Cayman Islands and one in Miami, because that would stop me trading out of my position, which is what I've done with crypto. Like I started this exponential age uh, fund of hedge funds. So you get locked up for three years and stuff like that. Ways that you don't uh, outguess yourself because you'll get these get two, three year rallies and then it falls away. And, you know, we saw huge moves up and down. But that bet's been a, the gift that keeps on giving. Um and it also reminded me another nice story about that trade is I was thinking through this mechanism of asset allocation of in that kind of very big global macro terms, right? I want dollars. How do I hold dollars? Well, I can buy bonds, I can buy equities, um, I could buy assets, real estate, art, stuff like that, stuff priced in dollars. So what you're doing is you put it in dollars, you're now in that currency and your base currency is that. So then if you buy real estate on top, and real estate goes up 50%, you get the dollar appreciation plus the 50% or multiplied by the 50%. So it gives you super leverage on your dollar position, but you're still in your dollar trade. And I hadn't really figured this out properly, what it actually means. Now I could have chosen stocks, but I didn't want to take that risk. Uh, and I did have some bonds at various points. Um, and so I would take the interest on that, bonds went up and um, the dollar went up. So I made a really decent return from doing all of this trade. And recently I realized that this is the same trade I'm doing in, in crypto. So if you look over there, you see my NFTs, my board ape and punk and all that stuff. They sit on ETH. 
So you make an allocation to ETH, that's the economy I want to allocate to. And in that economy, I try and buy a fixed asset because fixed assets are scarce and they tend to do well when things are booming. So you buy a fixed asset, which is a rare NFT or a community asset, which is something different, but a, you know, an asset or maybe like an equity, whatever. And that, if that does well as well, it gives you the return over ETH. So if ETH goes up 10X and they go up 3X, you make 30X returns. Yeah, you don't think about this, do you? It's a free call option. Real estate is essentially a free core option on a foreign bet. Um, so, so NFTs are a free call option. Free meaning because some dickhead on Twitter or here is going to go, hey, you said they were free and they've gone down in price and I've lost money. What I mean by free call options is, is what you're really getting is convexity of returns with less risk. Now, if you buy a shitty NFT and you lose money, that is your fault. Uh, if I buy shit, shitty, shitty NFT and lose money, that's probably your fault as well. Um, let's just get that straight. No, but generally speaking, you buy good assets, you know, their volatility is less. So that board ape has been stuck at like, well, not this particular one, but the, the floor price has been stuck at 65 ETH for a year and a half. So it's pretty stable. So what's the downside? Well, in the panic in June, it got they, they went down maybe to 55 or something. So the downside's about 55. What's the upside? Well, it's been as high as 3x this. These are great call options to own, and I still have my ETH bet. So even if my NFT goes to zero, I've lost a bit of that, the call premium, but the uh, but the ETH is still there. So it's really uh, it's really interesting. They obviously compound on the downside too. So when you've got a down market, your your NFT falls in price and the bloody ETH goes down. Anyway, so that's the story of the dollar, and I'm still bullish dollars for the same reason, and I won't change that view for a bit. Um, can you give us an example? This is from Lucas L. Uh, can you give us an example for an easy asset allocation for somebody in Europe? I don't know an easy asset allocation to what. That's what I'm confused about. Uh, generally, the easiest way of allocating money is to buy something. I don't know what you want to buy. Um, Exus GB, will Rishi Sunak's crypto regs cement the UK as the crypto hub of the world? Well said, Brit. Um, no, but it will probably cement uh, the UK as a significant part. You know, really, the financial world works with a number of different things. One's regional, uh, the other's um, uh, tax um, and jurisdiction, stuff like that. So the UK is usually not bad, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Cayman, it's the same old places, right? Uh, Cayman, Singapore, Dubai, London, uh, Switzerland. Um, don't know where Germany's going to stand. Probably do okay in this. Uh, the US is dragging its bloody feet, but you know it's got the most to lose because it's got the world's reserve currency and a whole bunch of other stuff. But eventually they'll get there. Um, so I think it, yes, it will be an important place, and I think it's a really good move of Rishi Sunak. I think he shows that he understands what the hell this is all about. But don't forget, Mark Carney did too. They, I mean, they all get it. Um, and, you know, this little muddy island that is now disconnected from Europe needs something to offer the world. And right now it's just got rainy weather and warm beer. Um, Raul, are you ever coming to Berlin? Uh, no. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I like Berlin. I've been a couple of times, um, but not for a long time. I don't get to travel a lot um, because I'm drinking Bollinger in my office. But other than that, it's... Um, it's generally because I just don't have time. I'm so busy because I've got four businesses on the go. So I just don't get a chance. I'm doing a bit of traveling this year, but we'll wait and see. Um, uh, There's a lot of crypto here. Um, Svegliati. 
Would you change your mind, Ari, the market and the economy? What price would you... Uh, sorry, I've lost you. It was a brilliant question, I'm sure. And there we go, we found you. Svegliati, what would change your mind, Ari, the economy and the market? At what price do you call peak in the SPX? I have no idea where it's going um, over time. I think it just continues its uptrend. And you know, if we're looking at a longer term time horizon, uh, what would change your mind? It needs to be an exogenous shock, I think. And I think we've thrown pretty much every bloody exogenous shock at this market. Or, and I don't even see the, the big macro blood risk, like the banking system, that can't happen anymore because of how the things are structured. I just don't see what it is. Um, to give a shock. I think if there's a shock, it's just a market that trades sideways for five years or even longer. I mean, that's probably the biggest shock we could have because then everybody's frustrated and it goes nowhere, the bulls and the bears. And we've seen those markets periodically. I mean, just look at Europe for details. It's terrible. Sorry. I'm going to allow me to eat these things. Um, by the way, while I'm having my little snack, um, don't forget, if you write something in the comments section, press like, subscribe, all of that stuff. You will um, be eligible to win a free uh, Real Vision free trial. And also just, as we said, the trade-off here is I entertain you like a monkey for a while. You get a bit of knowledge. You get to argue with me on Twitter in exchange if you can just hit the like, subscribe, and all of that stuff to make it worthwhile. Thank you. Um, Okay, I'm do so th that was Nick just interrupting me here in the background, which is, you know, I didn't know he was still here. And he's just like, no, people are paid to ask questions. Um, so he's going to figure out, because I don't know actually how to see those. So it's very kind of him to tell me that. But I have no idea how that's done. How do I find? Oh, there's one. Dithy. Is this what I do, Nick? I just scroll through. What's your opinion on the Hugh Hendry, Hen Hendry Tesla short at 220? Um, I don't know anything about it, but I'm long Tesla. Um, I bought it into the sell-off, so I quite, I quite like the stock. I like the secular theme. Um, yeah, I think the bear story is played to death everywhere. I mean, who doesn't know the bear story? When you've got whole Twitter communities that are Tesla Q, you kind of know that that story is probably a wrong narrative. Um, okay, here's another one. Josh, 20 bucks. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. That goes... About a quarter of the way from my bottle of Bollinger, and that's appreciated. There's a recession out there, you know. Which AI stocks are you keeping your eye on? Great fucking question, because you can't, there's nothing to trade, right? Everything's private. It's all the bloody VCs yet again. The rest of us don't get a look in. It's typical, right? This is one of the reasons I like crypto so much is there's a bunch of VCs going to make a bloody fortune out of AI, and you and I won't get a single bit of it. Uh, unless we've got the money to put into an uh, uh, a VC portfolio. While in crypto, we get early stage stuff. Yes, some stuff, um, you know, the VCs dump the tokens, but generally still it's very early stage. So there are opportunities. Um, so listen, actually the simple answer is, I, I did some work on this, just by Microsoft and Google. For God's sake, Google have hit, hit red alert. They have more AI technology than any other company in the world. They're gonna launch 20 new products and Microsoft's just put $10 billion into this and going to integrate it into everything. So uh, those are stocks would be great. And then let's see if Emad can get stability AI to market. I think he wants to try and IPO it. 
or let's see what else is out there. But but right now, these are these are the two for me that seem no brainers. Um, low risk, bottom of their macro trend, that that channel, two uh, two standard deviations off the log channel. Um, it's exactly the inflection point to buy them. So love those. Um, just seeing any other paid for questions. So I don't end up net negative my drinking bill. Um, I think that's it. Okay, I'll randomly scroll through the feed and find some more questions. Happy birthday, Ralph. Thank you, Kimberly. That is very nice of you. Um, there are more. So Nick's interrupting me again. So rude. He's so rude. Um, oh, yeah, the David Hunter. I actually had to mute him on Twitter because he'd just jump into my conversation and offer his opinions of which I wasn't really asking for. Um, there's a bunch of these people who do this is they use extreme things. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. Uh, they build a narrative. Um, look, could he be right? Could he be wrong? I kind of don't disagree. We've got a, a potential melt-up coming. Um, but I, I, I'm not really a fan of these kind of things um, because I think they're engagement farming uh, as opposed to real structural decent analysis. Because I've asked him before at depth, yeah, please explain. I never really get anything out of it. So. Um, Thomas Ebbett, 2 a.m. in Dubai. Was going to go to sleep and you started doing this. I can't now. I'm sorry, it's not my fault. Well, it kind of is, but thank you for joining me from Dubai anyway. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, personal development. I just don't get your optimism. So why the hell are you called personal development? Why don't you just be called everything's fucked? Um, I still think we're just at the start of a bear market. Okay, so we're down 38%, but we're just at the start. Okay, got it. Interest rate heights are not done at all yet until the summer. Um, well, you might be right. Um, I, the question is, is where do you see inflation and, and what economic analysis that allows you to suggest that the rate rises will be, that they're already um, above core CPI, Fed, firm, Fed funds, and I think will be above headline CPI by about April. It's really difficult to imagine. So sorry for being flippant, but... Um, I think I just find it really, really difficult to believe when forward-looking inflation indicators are down 2% or less by June and flipping to negative year on year. I just don't see where that's coming from. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we do have further bear market. This is, lo and behold, one of those magical bear markets, which is the down 50 percenter. We don't get those often. Um, but if it's a magical down 50 percenter, then you'll be right. If it's a Ordinary bear market like 1983, 1990, uh, the 1950s, they were all about 25, 20, 20 to 30% corrections. So that, that, that's the ordinary one. Once you take out the, the three, three or four big bear markets that, that went over 50%, I think the average for a bear market is 26. So, you know, I just I can't get there. Um, Int Pro, did I miss hearing what you're drinking? It's in the background. Bollinger Rosé. It's actually one of my favourite drinks in the world. Um, and it was my wedding wine, or one of them. It's three more super chats. Right, hold on. I'm trying to, I don't know how you find them. You're, you're a better man than me. Okay, Neil Williams. Uh, Neil, a super chat. According to your thesis, what's an extremely risky sector that has a high risk reward to hold for a year? Well, you know, really, I'm well out the bloody risk curve. 
And that's everything they got absolutely crapped on last year. ARC, Coinbase, Scottish Mortgage Trust in London. Um, any of these long technology names, um, I think that that's extremely hit, uh, risky, but has a very high reward. And crypto is phenomenal for that. And I think, you know, ETH is risky enough and has enough fundamental structural uh, benefits and opportunities that I think it should be fine. Right? So I would I would definitely go with, yeah, it's crypto, it's exponential age. It's the kind of stuff I've been talking about. Uh, if you can operate in different countries, the market I've liked, loved for a long time, it's done really quite well, has been around. Um, it's difficult because they keep changing the sanction, who's allowed to invest and who isn't, but Europeans still can. Um, and that's pretty interesting. Okay, I'm going to try and find another one of these magical coloured questions. R. Parkinson, £4.49. Good evening, sir. Love you, Raoul. Thoughts on life science plays? CRISPR companies like Beam Therapeutics, Prime Medicine. I feel a bit like Jim Cramer here. I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I just said, yeah, sounds amazing. I mean, look, somebody's going to make a lot of money out of CRISPR stocks and all that kind of stuff. I have no idea. So I just put baskets of all of this stuff or a bunch of different ETFs around the exponential age themes, everything from longevity to robotics to uh, gaming, metaverse, just anything that's broad. So unfortunately, I'm just not the Jim Cramer. I haven't got the, the bell thing. And although equally like Jim, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, um, but thank you for asking. And I'm sorry, I can't be more help. Overall, the technology, obviously, absolutely amazing. How to invest in it? Not a bloody clue. Um, just, you know, I buy biotech ETFs. They're not great. Biotech's not been a great bet, but it'll come to its time. Um, right, I'm looking for another one of these. Dewey Parent just gave me a pound. Well, it says in here, I don't know if it's a pound or or whether mine's logged in as a British account, but didn't ask me a question. So thank you, Dewey. It's very nice of you to have to give me a pound for no reason, but I do appreciate it. Um, Freddie Ritz. Thank you, Freddie. Are you aware of the Fed lawsuit by crypto firm Hoddle Law against the SEC? A law firm is seeking a declaratory action against the SEC that ETH is not a security. I have heard, I haven't been following it, Obviously, I've been following the pool one a bit more. Um, what a stupid situation. We have to go through the courts to get a bloody regulatory ruling. I mean, again, Gary Gensler, I've said this, I've said this on every time I've done this show, is that guy needs to be fired. He's letting people down. He's letting a whole industry down. He's holding America back. Um, and it's just inexcusable. It's inexcusable to allow shitty ETFs to launch, to blow up, and then forcing people to use closed-end funds that trade at massive discounts, allowing ETFs on pretty much anything you want. But when it's crypto, oh, no, sir, no, sir, can't do that, sir. And everybody loses fucking money. I mean, he's cost people 50% because of that um, grayscale, because he wouldn't approve a product that works. It's, it's shockingly bad. So I don't know about that lawsuit. I don't like the way we have to do this, um, but I wish them luck. Um, Dewey Paranard, Dewey's come back. Question. Uh, looked at the Rocket Pool liquid staking service. So, the Shanghai Fork is a big deal in ETH, really big deal. I talked about how big a deal ETH yield is, but we were stuck with one year yields, right? So then you had to go to Rocket Pool and you had to go to Lido and others to get um, um, liquid liquid staking and that takes different risks that you might not understand and so i don't do it but protocol based yields which is what staking is is very interesting and the shanghai fork 
allows you to stake for whatever flexible period you want. So that means that ETH that I hold, I'll just stake because I know I can sell it tomorrow as opposed to being locked up for a year, having to guess what the market's doing in a year's time. It's a really big deal because A, it creates a derivative market, a yield curve. Also, it creates, um, it takes, it's going to take 40% of the entire bloody ETH off the market because we just sit there and get the yield. So 40% off the market in a deflationary asset in a bull market. Holy shit. I think it might get dislocated in price if we're not careful. So anyway, that's that, that's my thought. So Rocket Pool, yes. Um, again, the caveat is I don't use them. I don't invest in them. But I get the thesis. So just because you get hung for anything on Twitter um, and YouTube, if you happen to say something, something that you didn't know goes down in price, it's like, see, you, you shield it. Uh, Kevin O'Donnell. Hold on. That would not be our Kevin O'Donnell. No. Uh, is there an education startup in blockchain AI that you think is on an intriguing path? I think there's going to be a lot of education on blockchain. Uh, we're working on something, actually. Um, so there'd be NFT certification, but I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be done there. So I think it's an intriguing path. And I think it's it's very real. Simbad. Simbad, happy birthday, still making pickles. Um, I, I've i made Indian pickle um, a few times, actually. Uh, I do make pickles, and uh, I'll eat them. So very nice. But as I said, today I've got the endamame, the, the air-dried. God, there's so many questions coming. This, this new paid question thing is brilliant. DFB. DFB gave me a dollar, didn't ask a question. I appreciate you, my friend. If I could find you and give you a dollar, I'd do the same in exchange. Uh, in the pocket, 11 Canadian. Thank you. Checked out the decentralized file storage, like Pro Filecoin. I answered that earlier, actually. Yes, I love the thesis. I don't own them. I get it. It's not really, it interests me. It's not really my thing. We had a whole piece with um, 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 an old friend of mine, Tim, who was at Goldman, who's now, I can't remember the piece, where he talked about he's got a big position in his hedge fund in um, in Filecoin for this reason, thinks it's a really, really, really big opportunity. I don't know. I like the thesis. Uh, I don't know anything. But uh, thank you for asking the question. You know, it makes sense to me. It makes sense that cloud should be protocol layer or operate on blockchain because it's the easiest way to allocate, compute, and distribute it. So it, it kind of, I don't see why not. Um, okay, Ava Ad. Feliz cumpleaños. Gracias. Uh, your thoughts on Uranium Yore? Um, I don't know, there's different stocks in that, and I've, I've got caught out by holding that thing versus just owning CCJ and stuff like that. So I'm not invested in the trade right now, so I don't really know what's the best expression of the trade. I get the story of Uranium. It makes total sense to me. Um, I think it's a long-term secular theme. I think we will have a boom and a bust in it because there's too much retail via the sprot mechanism. And I think, you know, at some point we'll get a big washout in that. Um, we've had some of that already, um, but let's wait and see. Um, okay. Sam Pryor, favorite parts of Ben Armstrong's book? I, I'm just a fan of what Ben's trying to do. You can love him or hate him. I don't really care. Um, no, I agree with everything he does and how he is. It's irrelevant. Ben is trying his best to educate as many people as he can in the way that he sees fit. And, you know, is that a marketing tool having a book? Of course it is. But I think he's doing the right thing. 
And I think he's trying to help people. And if you're trying to help people at core, even though you get caught up in the cycle and you know the paid promotion stuff, all of it's noise. Um, generally, he's trying his best. Um, and people do it in different ways. And he has a different audience. So um, I'm pleased for him. So that's my question. And that's my answer to that. Um, Raoul, have you got pets? Of course, you all know that. I've got the two coconut girls there. They're two mutts who are now quite old. So they're called coconut girls because in Little Cayman, we were there from the pandemic at my house over there. Um, they would be uh, chasing coconuts on the beach every day and then asking me to throw them in the water to swim for them. So they'd be swimming for coconuts, bring them back. I had to play this game endlessly. Then they'd take them down the beach and then strip the coconuts bare, but give us the coconut. And then we would break it open and be able to eat the coconut. Uh, they would cut their mouths because they would then eat the coconuts themselves, shatter all their stuff in their mouths. Uh, the other one then put out her back because she kept digging holes for the coconuts and we had to take her off the island because she was in such pain. So those are the coconut girls. They're now getting old and they're cranky. They're two sisters. Then came a mutt, sort of ridgeback crosses with Labradors. Very cute, uh, but cranky with each other, like two old girls. Paul Fosty, thank you, Paul, for the, the um, donation. That's super kind of you. Uh, you should ask a question next time. We don't have to, but, you know, I don't mind working for my money. I'm the performing monkey here. Um, trying to find, I think I've got all of those questions. Oh no, chowder ski. Um, what conditions do you look for when deciding to go long US equities? So I use the same framework in everything I do, which is where are we in a secular cycle? Where are we in the business cycle? So I'm using the ISM index, the forward looking indicators, um, and looking for the right point to take the risk. It takes a bit of work. We're going to do a course in Real Vision on the business cycle to help people with some of this stuff. Um, and also the um, Real Investing course on Real Vision, definitely worth subscribing to. It gives you so much information there. Um, then, um, then I look for technical analysis and sentiment. So you want market net. So this is why I got long recently. Market massively net, net short onto the long-term uptrend forward-looking indicators of the business cycle are turning up uh, and the technical analysis gave me all my DMARC signals. That's my perfect set of signals. So that's the kind of stuff I do for this. Uh, here's a good question. And it's really good because it comes with $5 attached. So thank you, Jay. I do appreciate it. Um, I never thought I'd be, I'd be doing questions for money, but you know, I appreciate this. This is a whole new feature. I, it's not quite <laughs> what I imagined. Uh, probably not worth a lot, as you can probably tell, right? I'll probably get $17.32 or something for a whole hour of my work. And I could have been better digging up the garden for my wife. Uh, how to become a Becker macro analyst? Already have the Real Vision Academy. Who's better, Soros or Druck? Real Vision Academy in the course we're rolling out really does help. Beyond that, it's actually reading books and listening to what people are saying about how they do things and not what they do. So it's it's trying to understand what drives the investment process of somebody like Stan Druckmann or George Soros or whatever. A brilliant book for that is the is George Soros's um, Alchemy of Finance. It's absolutely stunningly good for his section of him running a book where he's up like. 150% at one point, how he uses leverage, how he thinks about trade, excuse me, how he thinks about macro, all of these things combined. It's a stunningly good book. So I cannot recommend that enough. Um, the other one is obviously um, Market Wizards, but they're not also macro analyst. Macro analyst stuff is actually 
there's not a lot of books and stuff. You kind of just have to learn. You have to learn about the business cycle. You know, look at what you know I put out. Look what um, Julian Bittle put out, who works with me. Look at what Andreas Stenner Larson puts out. How we use business cycle charts and stuff like that. That's the business cycle analyst. The secular cycle stuff. There's less people who specialise in that. I, I've really started to focus on that because that's where I think I've really got an edge as more people have come into the business cycle side of analysis. So I would think about secular themes um, and how to establish those. And again, it's not straightforward. Uh, a good book for that is um, uh, Venture Capitalist, Jim Rogers, because you see how he thinks, how he thinks about country and stuff like that. The problem is Jim doesn't use a chart. So he's like, oh yeah, Uganda, this feels great. Let's go and buy some every single stock in Uganda. It's like, you need some something to, to base a understanding of where the price has come from, where it's going. So um, I would tend to do that. Uh, sorry, who's the better uh, source or drug? Very different. I'd say, I don't know actually. The honest answer, uh, Druck would not exist without Soros. In fact, none of us in macro would. Uh, he was just the OG. Um, so I'm just going to give him that. He's the OG of macro. And uh, we all owe him that. Uh, DFB, do you own utility coins like HBAR? Happy birthday. Um, I don't. Um, I don't. I've really concentrated into ETH, Solana, uh, a few other bits and pieces here and there, and EF NFTs. Um, Bloody hell, the questions are coming thick and fast. I could earn a living doing this. Maybe I just do this all day. Um, John, John M, for $5. How does Cayman life compare to Spain? Have you any lifestyle videos? I love seeing how people live. I'm an expat in Malaga, it's amazing. Spain is about the most perfect country in the world. Best food, incredible climate, amazing people, deep amazing culture fantastic architecture mountains sea deserts uh it's well connected it's absolutely amazing place problem is there's no opportunity in the country that's the problem so it's amazing for a lifestyle terrible for opportunity you're really not around a lot of entrepreneurs everything else it's it's really it's not easy i mean it's one of the few countries where uh gross income per gdp went down in the last two three years um so I love it, but I found it difficult to live in the end. Intellectual capital's thin on the ground. Um, Cayman is bloody expensive. Spain's so cheap. Um, it's bloody expensive here. Yeah, you don't pay taxes, but you pay import duties. So that eats into a lot of your fixed costs, right? Fixed costs are high. Um, and look, it's really nice quality of life. The weather's amazing. You can wear shorts all the time, t-shirts all the time. You need to think about it. The issue is um, it's a flat, salty rock in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. So after a while, you're a bit bored of going to the beach drinking rum and you, yeah, you can go diving. Um, but after a while, there's not a lot. I like Little Cayman because it's empty and quiet, just nature. And that's a whole different experience. But otherwise, you know, there's intellectual capital. There's lots of startups, crypto companies here, finance companies, lots of lawyers and accountants, really smart, highly educated, interesting people. There's a vibrant um, entrepreneurship within the economy. So that's all cool. But everything's got a downside right so there is no paradise it doesn't exist i mean you know that that is the problem with everything so the trade-offs are i don't know i actually really like living here it's really convenient there's virtually no crime supermarkets are amazing restaurants are amazing everybody calls you sir or raul because they know you and 
And that's not because you're anybody important. It's just because it's a small enough place, 60,000 people. It's really bloody nice. Spain, the village I lived in was, was somewhat similar to that. But there's just something about, you know, your house doesn't get robbed all the time. Um, you know, just, just a bunch of stuff. So I actually really like it here. Um, drives my wife a bit nuts because she wants to go climb mountains and stuff like that. So but as I said, there's a trade-off. Anyway, thank you for that question. Um, oh, here's a question that I'm being, oh, I can tell, but the passive aggressive thing on the comment section, right? Have you subscribed to our free daily newsletter? Yes or not yet? I know none of you have. So can you just go and do that? I think there's a QR code that comes up on the screen. I don't know if Nick's going to do it now or I've just sprung this on him. But um, listen, it's amazing because it, it basically gives you a daily snapshot of what's been going on, plus what's been going on in the daily briefing, which is our free uh, live news show that many of you subscribe to. And it gives some analysis, what's been going on, um, how to think about markets, stuff like that. So it's actually really good. It's actually really valuable. I read it every single day as soon as it hits my inbox. Um, and I, I don't say that many times. Um, more questions. Eddie Velasquez, what do you think of Michael Burry tweet? Well, he's removed it the next day. I actually, I actually, I do this. I um, When I see the narrative getting out of control, I start bookmarking the tweets because I actually use them for Global Macro Investor. Um, to show the kind of anger of the market going up. There's a Michael Berry tweet, uh, and I've seen this a few times. And I actually store these things when they get to sentiment extremes. Um, I should probably do it to myself sometimes as well, because I too can get to sentiment extremes. We all can. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to judge him. You know, we're all right. We're all wrong. Uh, I think I think he's unlikely to be right, but it's very interesting that he removed it the day the market bounced. And he's done this a few times. And he's really been aggressively wanting to be short, as a lot of people have. Want to force the narrative, and it hasn't happened. Uh, any news on the R R uh, RV NFT? Okay, so we have an NFT at Real Vision called the Pro, um, um, the Genesis NFT, the Pro Crypto Genesis NFT. It is on OpenSea. We've talked about this before, and again, I'm not shilling this. I'm trying to give people an understanding. That NFT is the access ground floor asset. For everything we are going to do in Web3. And we're working on some really big stuff. There's a lot coming. And anybody who owns that generally gets airdrops, free rights, everything else. So that exists. So just go to OpenSea, look at Real Vision. It's there, it's trading. Um, but there is more um, there is more RV NFT activity on its way pretty soon. And uh should be really bloody cool. We've all been working that really hard today and yesterday. So just to tell you, uh, Gremic. Happy birthday, Raoul. Thank you. It's on Sunday, but thank you. Open house party at Raoul's later in the week. I'm actually out for lunch, um, but I do appreciate you thinking of that. Do you think UK will rejoin the EU in five years or not? I don't know. It's not an impossible thing. Because um, by Christ, was it an own goal, but we all knew it. Uh, like Europe or not, you're better in it than out of it. Um, I don't know. It's the answer. It's a, it's a great question. I have thought about that. It's kind of come across my radar screens a few times. Um, oh look, there, Real Vision Finance, free newsletter. Understand what's moving the markets in minutes. Realvision.com forward slash RVDB. There we go. Uh, Portugal is better. We keep having this argument. Portugal's not a Mediterranean country, therefore it just doesn't matter. It's on the Atlantic. So we rule it out to relevant. Uh, anything Atlantic is cold, miserable, and wet. Uh, and you eat cabbages and carrots as opposed to aubergines and red peppers and um mediterranean style foods <laughs> how to upset a whole nation i love portugal uh, just prefer spain better food better wine um jm can you bring soros on actually 
I can't. And the reason being is he's not very well, really, as you can see. So Kirill Sokolov was going to interview uh, George for us. They're close friends. Um, but George is just, he's got a problem with his eyes at the moment, stuff like that. Same with Nick Roditi. He's very ill. Um, and I wanted to get him on. But these, these guys, are, I don't know how old George is now, 88, 90, something like that. Um, do you have any stories with Soros? No, I, I never really spoke to him. Saw him a couple of times in their offices. Um, I knew more, a uh, little bit more Stan and then a lot of the other people who work there as well. Um, so I don't have any personal stories with George. Uh, I did used to see that his personal trading account wasn't very good. Um, they used to laugh at that. But that's after he'd been out of the market for quite a long time. But then sometimes, because we'd see some of his you know, personal trades, but sometimes you would see him and when he's on it, he's fucking on it. God, a God. Uh, and again, I don't care about your political affiliations, whether George Soros is the Antichrist is ridiculous. Um, not that you said that, but just heading it off in the past. Frank Growley. Cheers, Ram. Why nobody ever mentions while I'm doing historical analysis of the official Fed fuckery since Badanki of injection trillions into the system? Hold on, let me try and read this. For $10, I'll even do your song and dance. Uh, cheers, Ral. I'm wondering why nobody ever mentions while doing historical analysis the artificial Fed fuckery since Bernanke. I think we talk about that all day. That is the change that happened when we crossed the Rubicon in 2008, when we realized we had an insolvent global credit market and we had to use the debasement of currency to do it. So I think everybody understands that. We also understand there's no way out of it either. There's no way you can unwind that because you drive all of the global asset prices to uh, zero. Why? Because the debasement effect, so when you issue new currency, the price of fixed assets goes up in price. Gold, crypto, equities, art, real estate. When you do QT, it does the opposite, right? But if you want to unwind all the QT, you're going to lose the entire collateral of the entire debt-based system. Game over everything, you are eating bugs in the street. Ain't never going to happen. But yes, everybody talks about it. Um, that was the fuckery. That was the magic show. However, ask yourself, dear Frank, what have you done in 2008 if you were running the central bank? I've thought long and hard about this because I've been the big criticizer. And given the choice, I'd have done the same. And given the choice of knowing how screwed up the situation is with the debt demographics, the deflationary trends from technology, the pension system, probably still do it. Um, so I think you have to figure out how to mitigate it. Because um, if not, you're all on the streets. So if you think this recession was bad, you're all fucked. Uh, it's really difficult. I get your point, but it's very difficult. Um, Thanks, Ralph from Ireland. Thank you, Beery04. That's good to an Irishman to be called Beery. Now, Paul Fossey, this is hilarious. I think you're pretty hilarious too, Paul, and I appreciate you being here. But next time you can you can pay me the money thing. I've never seen that before. It's great. I'll just keep talking all fucking night now. You know, and then eventually I can pay for that glass of Bollinger I just had. Um, now, I do have friends coming over for dinner tonight, so I need to, A, not drink too much, and B, I need to be done shortly. So let's go um, with some more... Um, Michael K, have you played Bored Ape? 
Have you a bored ape? You have a bored ape. Yes, I do, obviously. Uh, are you staking ApeCoin? Yes. And that was my test for ETH. It's been very simple and it's obviously ridiculously high yield, but it just feels like it's printing money, right? But um, so I don't have high expectations. I just want to see the whole process. Um, and playing Dookie Dash. Uh, Dookie Dash, for people who don't know, is the game, the kind of engagement game to use to test out the thesis of using ApeCoin for gaming um, and get people excited about the ecosystem as they start rolling out to the metaverse. I uh, haven't played it. I don't really play games, um, but um, yeah, why the hell not? It's a good idea. Let's see what happens. Um, Steve J. Steve, you've clearly not been listening, my friend. Raul, spelt wrong, R-A-O-U-L, uh, with mass debt saturation and central banks still hiking rates. Will this not cause further inflation pressures? Maybe you're out of the office today. Maybe you have something else to do. You know, I think we've we ascertained that the Federal Reserve have got to pretty much the near the end of the rate hike cycle. Uh, the Bank of England said pretty much they're done and the ECB said we're pretty much done. So <clears throat> you might want to you know, check your screens occasionally, Steve. Sorry, I'm being rude, but I don't mean to be. I'm just pissing around. Um, oh, Damien R. I'm building an NFT analytics platform as I believe more commerce gets tokenized. Yeah. Knowing where the money is flowing will be incredibly powerful. I'm curious to hear thoughts on types of data and charts. Damien, I think you're onto the right thing. There's a bunch of people doing it. The Thai has some very interesting data. I know that Luca deals with a lot of on-chain data. It's how you interpret the data. Uh, Luca's big, big philosophy, and Luca's the big data provider, L-U-K-K-A, um, their philosophy is that everything gets tokenized, supply chains and everything, and therefore all of this data is incredibly valuable in any companies who can access the data, which I think, Damien's your idea. I think it's a bloody good idea. I have no idea what type of data yet. It's all a new world. Connection of wallets is important. So we need to track the crypto as it goes around a system and who's got what, because that is kind of like owning Google now, where you get to see who's engaging in what and when and how. So that social graph element or supply chain element, I think that's really interesting. So good luck with that. I, I really like that idea. Noxious, um, you made your Hey Wallet. What do you think about it? Do you like it? Um, it worked really easily and I got money given to me, which is very nice, much like today. I didn't expect it. And I, I appreciate the kind generosity of, of you all. Um, hey Wallet seems nice UX. I'm terrified of using anybody's stuff that I didn't sign up for, that I didn't know what it is, that I'm just given and I'm supposed to connect and transfer stuff. Around. I'm just not going to do it. Um, so, I, you know, it's just. So I can't pass judgment. I'm not the right guy to ask. I'm a moron when it comes to technology. I trust what I trust. Um, Andre Ventinas sounds Portuguese or Brazilian. Polygon, what do you think? Well, got a treat for you. I got one of the founders on on Rouse Adventures Crypto coming next couple of weeks. Um, amazing. Um, Trendari, that's the perfect point. As you say, thank you. And I've got guests coming. My wife will shoot me. I've already two glasses of Bollinger in. Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just stop. Zane Tan, living the web through life. Hey, Rao, how do you see humans coexist with AI in the next five years or so? Will humans get replaced by AI? Where are the new opportunities? We will do another whole AMA about AI. Because I any of you are understanding the scale of what is happening and what it means to society. 
So thank you for that question. And that's something I just must remember to do at some point, just because I've got some big thoughts on it. Um, I think it is the largest deflationary shock maybe the world has ever seen. Um, and it is a, it's probably one of the largest step changes in a short period of time we will ever go through. And we can't even get our heads around it. We still think it's a Google search engine. That's where we think it is. We have no understanding. So anyway, great question. Um, somebody keeps asking, is ETH ultrasound money? I don't give a shit. I like it because it goes up, because I think it goes up over time, because people use it because it's a great network. It's also got a vibrancy. So, you know, I don't really care um, whether it's ultrasound money or not. I just I don't care about the money narrative right now. Um, okay, guys, I'm sorry. I hope I've entertained you. I've done my song and dance. Um, you fuckers need to subscribe, please, because then I can come back. And if you do this payment thing, I'll come back all the time. And I'd drink Bollinger with you every night. It'd be great. So subscribe, hit the like button, anything in the comments. There's some prizes to be given out if you did get to the comments. Um, sign up to the Real Vision Daily Briefing newsletter. Sign up to Real Vision. Do everything you can. Say hello to me on Twitter. And have a really, really great evening. And I appreciate you being here for the photography. I didn't mean to upset anybody if I was messing around. Um, I'm just having fun out there. All right, guys, take care. Really appreciate you guys as ever. You're the best. Thank you.